Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined, as always, by Armani Buckets, Tim Lee, and we got Grant Mona on the phone here. Arash is in Dallas, we said. He's in Dallas, he's right? In Dallas. Do we know? Yeah. I think he? he's in Dallas with so, Michael Duarte. I think they're going to the USC game. Oh, that's Cotton right. Bowl. Um, why they want to go to that game, I don't know because it's like it's going to be a blowout. I don't think Tulane can hang with SC if Caleb plays. Um, kind of a waste of money, but I guess to cover it, it makes sense. Uh, hopefully, they got free ticks. Well, they so. went. They went a day too late. They could have witnessed history if they would have. Yeah, they would have. And you know, we. And by the way, it's Brandon Deutsch here speaking. Um, no Rosh, no Jihei. It's just it's just the just the guys today. Let's start with Luca. 60-20-10, first in NBA history, 60-20 and 10 game. Like think about crazy. I know it took overtime, still doesn't you know derail how impressive that feat was. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the shot too, the offensive rebound and I mean, oh, yeah. oh man, Armand, let's start with you. It was I mean, what what can you say about it? This guy every time you think you've seen it all with Luca. He does something that literally we have never seen before. And my whole thing is <laughs> my brain couldn't help but think, all right, what a performance by Luca. What an incredible comeback. And yet he had, what, half of the team's points. <laughs> like, <laughs> at some point, you have to get this man some help. And that goes to the bigger question. And I hate to... I hate that I'm doing this to start it off instead of being celebratory and congratulating him. But Kobe had a famous quote about Harden basically saying that, oh, this style of basketball, something to the effect of this style cannot win. And no matter who Luka is surrounded by, it feels like he's going to be a ball dominant player, which gives you these incredible nights like this. But then you look long term and you're like, OK, now they're 19 and 16 and they're you know, struggling to make the playoffs. And it's at, to me, it's like, okay, individual greatness versus team success. And I hate to do that today because it's like, all right, today is about individual greatness. But what do you guys think about that? His style of play? Uh, I don't think that's particularly the issue. I think a lot of people, I think you can win championships with the way he plays. And it's a very similar, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. Who would be the ideal running mate for him? For an mm. ideal running mate, like an it, ideal it, it, one. B. So I said, I said this. Yeah, no, no worries. I said this in our, our group chat the other day. Grant and I, you know, we have this whole basketball nuts group chat where we just discuss, you know, statistics and players and have hot takes and stuff. And I was saying he needs like a, a dominant like 
small forward, three and D, like a Chris Middleton type, mm. someone like that, that can mm. really take pressure off of the ball. Like, I mean, Brunson was great, I guess, because he could, but remember, he's a guard. He already has Dinwiddie, who's good, takes pressure off him. Christian Wood is a fine compliment. They don't give him enough minutes. At the same time, you need that you look at every championship team there's like a chris middleton there's a there's an andrew wiggins yeah type. you know what i'm saying there's a there's a pascal siakam and obviously not to that you don't need someone to that stature at the same time could you trade for a kyle kuzma and turn him into that and i know that's a crazy statement because kyle still has a lot of work to do to become an impactful player in that sense on the defensive end and you know uh, managing his shot selection offensively but that's a guy you could go and get in a trade maybe a jeremy grant type of player but you can't get jeremy grant because they just signed jeremy grant right but you get what i'm saying he needs like an og and an ob yeah an og and an oh man that would be perfect except og I, i'm thinking maybe a little more offense as good as og's been like maybe more offensive minded less because og's the best perimeter defender in the league like i'm not saying i'm a cal bridges og and an ob type more like a chris middleton like great defender you need a, a secondary all, creator exactly a secondary creator that can take pressure off of him the issue is is i wrote an article about this a, a couple weeks ago on ballersportsdialogue.substack.com that's my newsletter they're giving 16 million a year to bertans who doesn't even play that's a different regime i know but they, yes, they're given right. They're given twenty million almost to Tim Hardaway Jr., who's not worth that. He's good, but he's not worth that. Dorian Finney-Smith gets fourteen million dollars a year. He's not worth that. As good as he is defensively, and I know you, we can argue that, but he's a liability on offense, and and he misses game tying free throws all the time. He can't shoot to save his life. And then Reggie Bullock, they gave off a career year like ten million a year, and he's like twenty eight percent from three. So the issue is allocation of money. And I know Bertans came over in the, um, what was it? The, the Dinwiddie trade, right? That's where, that's where he came over. And they, they had to do that to get rid of Porzingis. And Dinwiddie's been fantastic. And Wood's been fantastic. What they need to do is if they just allocated this money more correctly to find three three-point shooters, three and D guys that are more equipped for Luka's style that can actually knock down shots. And then that secondary creator, they'd be a perennial championship contender. Before I want to like, Railroad it. I mean, obviously, Grant. I want to. I want to hear you as well. But like, yep. he's already, he's twenty three, right? So it's crazy. He hasn't even reached his physical prime, and he's already fifth. This is his fifth forty point triple double, and that makes him like fifth all time in the NBA, tied with LeBron. And he hasn't even reached what we consider to be your physical prime in the NBA. He was in his bag yesterday, like everything, right? The fadeaways, the bully ball, that little onside kick that he just did with that free throw, that intentional miss. Like, I I feel like. Well, he like twenty two free throws, twenty for thirty on the on the field. Like, I don't know, man. I don't think we'll ever see anything like. Like, we always say like, oh, we'll never see another LeBron because he's like a physical specimen, right? But Luca, unguardable. Like you mentioned, like in the playoffs, he has playoff success. Like he does really well in the playoffs by being that thirty seven percent usage guy and just being that dominant force that it doesn't matter who's on the team, he just does really well. And obviously, his best running mate is now in New York, but. I don't know. I, I could definitely see him still do well in the playoffs just because I feel like as a player, there's nobody offensively on his level besides maybe his other European brother. Grant, yeah. yeah. Grant, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, like you guys said, Luke is 23 years old. Yeah. He has like seven years. That's seven whole years until he's only 30, where some of, some of the guys that we're talking about right now, like, the likes of LeBron, 37, but at age 30, he was at the prime of his career. Luca has seven years until that, and he's doing what he's doing now. Mm -hmm. Like We're literally witnessing 
probably going down as one of the greatest players of all time. Right? I'm going to say it right now. Like he's probably going to be one of the greatest players of all time. Three NBA this, first teams of, already. Yeah, like, and, and this performance kind of solidifies his greatness right now. Not just for his future of his career, but right now he's like one of the greatest things to watch in sports because he can put up stat lines like that. Like, not even Wilt Chamberlain had a stat line like that when you had all these memes about Wilt Chamberlain having 55 and 30 and 30 assists and all that. And Luke is doing it right now at age 23 where he's not even the most athletic. He's not the quickest. He's not the fastest, but he just knows how to play the game and manipulate the game. Kind of like James Harden did back when he was using all those step backs and ISO ball and, and just getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. Luke is kind of taking that, but he's doing it in his own way. And that's what's so special about it. And I want to go back to what you guys said about trade targets. Brandon, you brought up a good one, Kuzma. I was going to say Kyle Kuzma. He's not really that star, like the second star, but I, I, I understand what you're going for there because that would obviously improve their team a ton. Why not look at the guys on the Bulls? I know you probably can't put, put together a package for Zach Levine, but you can maybe go after DeRozan. I, that's the thing about the Mavs right now. They're kind of handicapped to where they don't really have capital to trade to improve the team right now. Like, are you going to trade Josh Green? Josh Green's been pretty good this year, but are you like are the Bulls going to want him and, and like Bertans and Dinwiddie for DeRozan or Levine? Like, no, they're probably not going to take that because they're going to get better offers. I, I'm assuming. You know, I don't know how the trade market is right now. It seems a little bit dead, but you can't really improve the team right now. Like everyone said, hey, Mark Cuban, you'll sign these guys, do this, do this. Like he really can, and I know it's kind of his own fault, but right now, like, those two trade targets would probably be ideal. Like, imagine DeMar DeRozan playing with Luka right next to him. That, that, that would be like an upgraded Dinwiddie. But the thing is, with the Mavs, it's like, can you do that? You don't really have the assets to do so. Yeah, I get your point, Grant. I just think DeRozan's so ball-dominant, you know, and, like, it's like putting Jimmy Butler with Luka Doncic. I personally but, think he you know, has like, his running mate. If Kleber just comes back and just plays a little bit better than he's always been, like, Yeah, but that's not going to win Kleber's you a title, Kleber. Uh, I, I mean, I, unless no, Luka gets say. averages, like, I mean, and I'm not saying he can, and you have a point. Like, he's probably still going to have playoff <laughs> success this year despite not having Brunson and having a, quote, weaker team mm. this year, right? Like, despite not having that, he probably still wins two playoff series. He will. Because, yeah, because we look at the, the West, we look at the East, and we're always like, okay, what are these teams that are going to come out, right? But it seems like you just can boil it down to who was the best player in that series. Right. Curry was the best player in every series he played last year, and he won a championship. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much. You could say the same thing about Tatum in the Eastern Conference. Maybe Giannis was a bit better, but at the same time, Giannis didn't have Middleton. So that was um, that was a fluke, right? That was an anomaly that that happened. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it, it's about the stardom, of course. Um, it, I just wanted to say one thing. Grant, remember when I told you when I saw the Clippers play him in the playoffs? I think this was mm -hmm. Luka's second or third year. Third yeah, it was it was a third year. Yeah, when they played, when there's like I, half a, a crowd. Yeah, I've seen LeBron play. I've seen Kobe play. I've seen all these guys play. I what did I say? I said Luca's the best player I've ever seen in person. Yeah, he is, yeah. and he really has a chance to be the greatest player of all time. And Armand, what did we say when Arash was scolding us for saying you know the Mavericks could beat the Warriors in the in the West Finals scolding. last year? <laughs> it was because too. of Luca's <laughs> greatness. And once he gets that small forward that we said or someone that of that stature along with this team that can play that can defend at a high level and be a secondary scorer you don't even need that but like you know you get what i mean like an efficient three and d guy that's kind of a star that can just it's fine with not having the ball in his hands because luca needs his 37 percent usage percentage in the playoffs once he gets that i mean we're talking about a guy that could have a lebron type of run you know what i'm saying like the finals every year 
You know what I'm saying? Like he, his comparison is LeBron. He's just not as athletic. You know what I'm saying? He but just has more, to like take care of himself to make sure that he can have the longevity. Of course, that we want to see from a guy like him. Because do you have anything to add? Because I know yeah. I, I want to get into Jokic next. The interesting thing about Luca and the LeBron narrative was at some point it's going to be the media is going to turn and they're going to say, well, you haven't won yet. Yeah, and that might happen. Yeah. When do we think that's going to be? Because I don't think it's going to be soon, but like. Well, that's what they were doing with LeBron. Remember you have a blueprint. You have a blueprint already with LeBron when he yeah. went to Miami, and the they didn't win year. the first year. And right, they were right, like, right. "Oh, LeBron, you know, he's a great player. Zero rings, and swept like, in the first finals. Like you already had the blueprint. It's everything that ha- happened to LeBron. 26, 26, 27. 26, 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has time. He has time to figure things out. But it's. I mean, I don't think they're that close. You don't think that okay? To winning? To winning at all. Okay, but but tell me the other teams in the con because the Warriors look like garbage. I'm sorry. They do. I don't I care. I don't care at home how good they are. They do not have the defense to win a title this year unless it improves. I don't want to it's gonna railroad it too much. <laughs> I don't want like future prospects, there's the Dallas is still like seventh best team in the NBA right now. Seventh? Yeah. Because of Luca Grant, in a playoff series. Grant thoughts? <laughs> Grant. I wouldn't say seventh. I, I always thought the Mavericks were a dark horse contender just because of Luca and because of what they did. I mean, even look at last year. They were not supposed to be in the Western Conference Finals and they kind of willed their way to it. Right. Right? We all thought maybe they could even take the Warriors. Like we some of us thought that. And look, that that's maybe even more of a possibility this year because the West is so much more it's not even it's not open, but it's more open than it was last year. So, like I always, I think I said a few weeks ago, like the Mavs could still be a contender. I could still see them being a top top four team in that in that final four for the conference finals. And you know, with Luca playing like this, it's always a possibility. Even with the shooters they have around him and the guys they have around him, I still think it's a possibility. Yeah, and what about the Clippers? Because this Please. is a team, and I know I. What did I say preseason? I said they were my pick to win the championship. I'm going to stand yeah. by it. That's as good. crazy as it is. I just think when you have two dominant three and D players like George and Kawhi, and then guys like Terrence Mann off the bench. And by the way, when are we ever going to start talking about Ty Lue's rotations? Because Mann needs more minutes. Oh. Why was Mann oh. on the only play? I mean, he has a 63% true shooting percentage. He's a great defender. He's a great He defender. has some secondary ball handling. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Luke Kennard needs his minutes. Why the heck is he so loyal to Reggie Jackson and to John Wall oh. when stuff gets hard? Because I, I know those guys are team guys, and I get it. They can provide certain things. But they're a liability at some points in the game. Am I wrong here? They have the roster to win the championship. I'm still rolling with them right now as like the team I think still going to win the championship if they stay healthy. But at the same time, there's some concerns. As good as a defensive coach, Ty Lewis, his rotations question me a little bit. They concern me. I'm not going to lie. I do agree with that man needs more minutes. I'll give it to everybody else. I'll, I'm going to wax poetic about this team in a second. Grant, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, look, Ty Lue has always been a slow burn rotation kind of guy. Even when he was with the Cavaliers, he would always like wait till about the midway point to kind of solidify his rotation. So while the rotations are very frustrating, there's like losses that I'm just scratching my head over, you know, especially the one against the Sixers where the Clippers were up by 20 points in the first half. Yeah. There ended up being a 29 point turnaround. And mainly the reason is because the lineup that got them to that 20-point lead was non-existent in the second half. It's like Ty Lue saw it and was like, no, we're just going to go with the starting line. I mean, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson were both minus 15 or more, and they were in the closing lineup, whereas Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann were positive net rating, and they were not in the, the closing lineup. And I was, it, was just, it was just like, it was kind of like a scheduled loss. It was like, are you trying to lose this game? Because the next game, he did the same exact thing, and 
they got down by a lot. They put in their bench against the Pistons, and they ended up coming back because they had their best lineup on the court. It's just, it made the most sense, and he finally came to his senses. And now the game last night where they, they ended up beating the Raptors by double digits, mm-hmm. he used the lineups and the rotations that everybody wants to see. Nick Batum, uh, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Paul George, Kawhi. That lineup with a, with a lot of depth, a lot of wing depth, you got to use and, – and Robert Covington isn't even getting any minutes which is the biggest head-scratcher of all of them this year because a lot of people coming into this year thought that Robert Covington was going to be the X-factor in that defensive lineup. He hasn't seen – he's getting DNP CDs, which, you know, people are asking me, he's like, oh, you know, we're trying to add new rotations everything. But he's an integral part of any team that's going to be a contender. Like, you can send him to any contending team right now and they'll get better with Robert Covington in there. And he's not even getting minutes, so – there's a lot of head scratching stuff with the Clippers rotations, but you know, Ty Lue is the, the guy that does the slow burn type of stuff where he just feels things out. And by the time playoffs come around, it, it, it the, the rotations are solidified. It's just, it sucks to go through it right now because this is the time where you have to separate yourself in the West. Like they have an offer. They're four seed. They're half a game out of the three seed. They're two and a half out of the one seed. This is where you got to make the run to build up that, that record and get that seeding. And I, it just, it seems like they're not really, worried about that i hope it doesn't bite them in, in the long run but it just seems like a lot of tinkering for a team that needs to get some consistency and I, it's just a head scratcher for me that was going to be uh, my question to you grant two and a half games like you mentioned out of first place but how important is it for this team to maybe get a home court advantage in round one is the goal literally just to stay out of the playing tournament and then the rest will take care of itself or what do you think their their overall view on the standings is I mean, all the dialogue around the team and that's coming out of, of the coaching staff and the front office and the players is we're not really worried about what we're doing right now. We're worried about what we're doing in April and when we get to closer mm-hmm. to the playoffs. I mean, even Kawhi himself said, I'm not, I don't even want to be here right now. I'm worried about <laughs> playoff basketball. And that's, it was kind of worrying to hear him say that because obviously you want to win games in the regular season. But I understood what he meant. He's like, you know, I'm built for the playoffs. I right. play playoff basketball. That's when it matters. And I think that's the mentality this team is playing. And, you know, we've seen a few losses, like they lost to the Magic, like we've said. They've lost to the Thunder twice. They've mm-hmm. had some really bad losses, and they could have lost to the Pistons the other night. They're lucky that they didn't. But they've had some losses where it's like, do you guys still care about basketball, or do we care about th- – it just seems like the Clippers are worried more about health and getting into the playoffs as a non-playing team rather than the seeding of where they're at. Because I think that their their mentality, which I hope, like I said, I hope it doesn't bite them in the long run, is that just get in, and then if we're healthy, we're going to beat anybody. It's kind of like the, the Grizzlies quote of, I'm fine in the West, but just with health. <laughs> but with, with the Clippers, I, I, I don't think that's the right attitude or mentality to take, because in the West, you really need home court advantage. Like, especially if you go to Memphis or Golden State in a playoff series, those places are really hard to play at. And having that home court advantage in a game six or game seven um, is going to be really crucial. And I hope that they they understand it. I mean, there's a lot of veteran presence on that team. I'm sure they do understand it, but it's just a head scratcher right now to kind of be be kind of taking an approach to where, oh, we don't care, we'll just get in. Great, I think the talent talent does speak for itself, though. I thought, like, that's why I was so encouraged by that Toronto game because they played, in my opinion, like a really good playoff basketball formula. Mm -hmm. Like, Kawhi guarded by OG, who's arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA, almost triple-teamed on most of the possessions that he played, <laughs> played out of playmaking stance, eight assists, like, he was incredible. 
and everybody else did their role. Norman, Norman Powell had like yeah. everything working for him. Paul George didn't have to overextend. Like the team's rotation just looked like really, really good to me. Grant, final minute here. I wanted to do a quick roundtable while we're talking about the West. I know you wanted to talk about the Joker, Brandon. Can we all do our top three Western Conference teams? And I know it's going to be difficult to do, but really quick, really quick, quick top three. Maybe uh, no no order if you don't want, but Clippers, Pelicans, and Nuggets because wow. the Grizzlies are choking right now. Uh, Grant, what about you? I'm going with the same three in no particular order. That, that's a great three. I mean, I think the Grizzlies are a little bit of what we thought the Suns were last year. We're starting to see it a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going Pelicans, Clippers, and, and, and the Nuggets for me. I can't believe you guys didn't mention the defending champs, but I'm going to go. Oh, bro, 3-16 and 16 on the road. I'm Come going, on now. Yeah, Golden yeah, State. Yeah. Golden State, Clippers, and I'm going to go with Memphis. Yep, that's me too. I'm not not the Golden State part. Denver, Clippers, Memphis. No Golden State for Dude, any of Dude, their defense three. is ranked 22nd. Unless they improve their every single one of their Wiggins, title teams. Wiggins, being, top 10 Wiggins being out hurts. I'll say yes, that. I'm but, giving them time to But develop. they had a 20th ranked defense while Wiggins was playing. They're just not better than Memphis. I just think that they're a flip a switch team and a veteran team that, you know, it is concerning, but I, I do think that they will flip a switch, but it, it makes it entertaining. It does. Sure. Okay. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by Dave Smith. When we return on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio in Southern California, 98.5, the fan in Las Vegas in the Hawaii sports radio network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Thank you, Grant. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Okay, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline. The Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos, just your teams and a clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. And here he is, the guest today, the sports god, Dave Smith. How are you doing? I'm good. What's up? I, I mean, it must be nice being a sports guy. Right? I mean, I just, I wanted to add, you know what? I usually end on this question, but I wanted to ask this question to start right now because I, I'm just so enamored with what the Niners are going to do this postseason. I'm really, I'm hoping because D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach next year. We really need a Super Bowl. What's going to happen with them? I mean, how impressed are you with Brock Purdy? Top passer rating in the NFL over the past three weeks. Kyle's called the best play calls he's had in his life. Although there's still the, you know, the 
we don't want to talk about it, but the chokes in the fourth quarter, we're still scared of those. But how do you see them compared to the other top four teams? And who would those top four teams be that the Niners would, it would be a tough matchup for them in the playoffs? Lay them down gently. Lay them down gently. Um, I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. I think without, I think they have the best talent in in the NFL. And I thought so the entire year. Um, I thought that when Jimmy G went down, the season was over. I've been so pleasantly surprised by Brock Purdy, how well he has played. Remember his first two games at home, he wins. And I said, okay, that's good. But uh, let's see how the kid does on the road. He has to go up to Seattle, hostile crowd, bad weather. He played great in that game too. And I said, okay, I guess the kid's for real. Now he's going to have to go on the road uh, in bad weather, probably and play, uh, probably play the Eagles in the postseason. And, uh, Maybe a road game against the Cowboys. Who knows if the 49ers have home field or not. I think the Vikings they'll beat no matter where they play. But I, I like this 49ers team. I, I like them a lot. And, you know, as you said, Shanahan's a big problem in the postseason, especially like in the last four minutes of the game. I don't know what happens to him, but he screws up the clock. He screws up his timeouts. Uh, he makes stupid play calls. Uh, you know, 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. We'll never forget that when he gave that game away with a horrible play calling for the Atlanta Falcons and the 49ers should have won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and he did it again, you know, with some real unbelievably bad play calling and clock management against the uh against the Kansas City Chiefs when they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter. So that's a big concern for me as Shanahan as the head coach. All right, and, and Dave, the other who are your other top four teams right now? Is it Bills? Uh, oh in both conferences? Both yeah. conferences. Um, yeah. 49ers, uh, you know, Bills, Chiefs. Uh, oh, I think Bang- you got to throw the Bengals in there as well. Uh, let's see, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings. All right. Top four, I would go. Uh, I'm not a believer in the Cowboys or the Vikings. So I would say, I'd say 49ers, Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. That's a safe bet. That's a safe bet. I mean, those are the four best, best teams. teams. <laughs> not even close. I mean, yeah. anything can happen in the postseason. All right. But, Armand, yep. you wanted to ask Dave Smith a question. That we were talking about in the first segment with Grant Mona. Take it away. Yeah, Dave, uh, this kind of upset me a little bit because I I just, okay, I'm not even going to preface it. I'm just going to go for it. Right now, who are your, you don't have to give an order if you don't want to, NBA-wise, top three in the Western Conference? Hmm. Um, I would go uh, Pelicans, uh, Nuggets. Grizzlies. No Golden State from any of you guys. Golden State has the 22nd ranked defense in the NBA, even when they had Curry and Wiggins. I'm trying to tell you, Armand, their their four championships teams all had a top 10 defense. Unless they get to that point by the end of the year, and they very well could. I'm going to give you credit. They very well could. I just don't see it happening for them this year. Armand, you're you're mostly thinking, like, are they going to be a top four team or top three team by playoff start, correct? No, I don't care what. Oh, you mean they, right now? You mean yeah, right now. yeah, right now. See, right now that's crazy because there's just no way. If they were fully healthy, I just I but think that's a big if. It's They're between them not. and the Clippers in the West to me. But Dave, what are what is your reasoning for not including the Warriors? Uh, because as you said, the d- defensively they're not very good. Um, the team's teams getting a little bit older too, even when they're healthy, and they've made so many deep runs in the playoffs over the years. So with some tired legs, I I just don't think they're going to do it this season. Even if Steph Curry comes back healthy, they're going to be dangerous in the postseason. Clay uh, Thompson's lost a step or two when you watch him this year. I know he's in his thirties now; he can still shoot it, but you know with the Achilles injury and the knee injury, he's not the same player he used to be either. So. 
Well, I like the depth. I like Moody and uh, and and some of the guys on the bench. Uh, why? You know, Wiseman had thirty points the other night, so that's yeah. probably a good sign. You'd be the, the only one who likes well, their depth for sure. Yeah, I yeah. I, <laughs> I just don't think they're going to do it this year. And I saw something interesting the other night. Um, the Pelicans, you know, they had a problem with injuries this year. Ingram hasn't played in forever. Zion's mm-hmm. missed some games. Herb Jones, uh, but. They've only lost one game this year when they've had all five starters out there and they've right. been healthy. So that this is a dangerous team. If if and you talk about capital I, capital F, if they're healthy come playoff time, they're a really dangerous team. I can agree with that completely, Dave. I'm sorry, I was so listening for the Golden State word. So let's repeat it. Denver, you had Denver, Pelicans, and Grizzlies, correct? Yes. So again, the the Clippers. I'm interested to hear your perspective. Yeah, half on of our them. half of our panel voted the Clippers in the top three as well. <laughs> well, they won't be healthy come playoff time. I'm sure uh, they've got the problem with injuries as well. And uh, I think their window closed uh, a couple of years ago when they had a three one series lead in the bubble and wound up losing to Denver. I, I think that was their best opportunity. They had the best team in the NBA that year, and I thought they were going to win the championship, but. Yeah, you know, it's the curse of the Clippers. Uh, for some reason, something's going to happen. They're just never going to get over that hump. Okay, I'm going to extend the parameters a little bit. If we all extended it to a fourth team, who would be your guys' fourth? Pelicans. Okay, so Pelicans. Uh, so he, I would say the Grizzlies because so I, I had, no I had Pelicans, yeah. um, Clippers, and Nuggets, and then I'd say right. the Grizzlies. I was Clippers, uh, Denver, and Memphis. So we have the same top four. Nope. Isn't it funny how uh, John Morant ran his mouth the other night, that interview, sure. and they asked him what team he's most concerned about, and he said the Celtics. And they yeah. said, what about the West? He said, and ain't nobody got something for us in the West. I'm not, then they've been blown out two games in a row since he said that. Yeah, yeah maybe he shouldn't do that. Arma. <laughs> who, would, who would be your fourth, Dave? Um, let's see, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Nuggets. Uh, I would throw the Clippers in there if we're going yeah. four. Yep. You, yep. If you extended to five, I'm smart man. <laughs> If you were saying the five, I'm putting Phoenix. No, they're not. Men, they're not. Enchi- they're I would not put Dallas like, over Phoenix, dog. Yeah, okay, okay, six, on, I'm putting on. Dallas. If you put five, I'd put Dallas as the fifth team over the Warriors. In the first segment, we had Tim Lee say that he would take the Mavericks over Golden State in the 100%, series right 100%. now. How do we too. feel about that? Uh, I would, too. Doncic. Not if the not if the Warriors are healthy. Da- Dallas, uh, Doncic doesn't have a lot of help out there in that Dallas team. He doesn't need they it. Don't play any, they don't play any defense, including Luka. So that, that, that hurts him come playoff time. And we should get into your thoughts also as we speak about Luca about that historic performance mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Incredible game. And not only if you just had the stat line by itself, it was one of the games of the year. But then when you combine the stat line with the incredible, unprecedented uh, improbable, comeback. Improbable. Yeah. Unbelievable. What were your thoughts? That was an unbelievable performance by Luca. I mean, he's 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 one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. He's a, he shoots off yeah. one foot on the run, left, right. He can finish at the rim, hit threes. It's so creative out there. Just a sensational performance. And well, the first sixty twenty ten game they're saying in NBA history. Although, you know, they didn't keep track of blocks back in the day. Uh, I guarantee you, Wilt had a bunch of those sixty twenty ten games. If they kept track of blocks, <laughs> there's no doubt he did it before. But uh, and also, supposedly Russell Westbrook has the most triple doubles of all time with what 189, I think it is. And I bet you Wilt had a thousand <laughs> at least if they kept track of kept track of blocks back in the day. So, but anyway, yeah, that was a absolutely a magnificent performance, historic by Luca the other night. He he is absolutely sensational. We talked about Luca like potentially even getting better, obviously, because he hasn't even entered his physical prime. I mean, 
did you did you watch the game and how he like kind of like was in his bag? Everything offensively was working. He had the yeah. Dirk step away. I mean, like I honestly don't know, and I can't I can't even envision what potential ceiling this guy has because we've never really seen it before. I mean, like, what do you feel like for him progress wise where he's at? Oh, absolutely. He can get better. I, I think, um, and I've said this his entire career, I think he can get in better shape physically. Uh, he always looks a little pudgy to me yeah, yeah, when yeah. I watch him play. Uh, I, I think that, and that's that why he's tea. not a good, that, that's why he's not a good defensive player. I, I think he could lose 10 pounds, make 10, 15 pounds to, to be better defensively. It doesn't hurt him on the offensive end of the floor though, but yeah, I think he can get into better shape. Maybe if you want to talk about uh, him improving his game. Mm-hmm. All right. And I wanted to ask about the, what, who should be the three time MVP, Nikola Jokic, the most oh, un- yeah. underappreciated superstar in the history of the game. I mean, my thoughts on this guy, he, he, he kills the, just completely demolishes his own, player efficiency rating record every single year. Yes. He's the most natural offensive center I've ever seen in my life. The game just comes naturally. Like he'll hit a fit a 25 footer. If you give him space, he'll dominate you with post moves. Or if you double him, he finds the open man every single time. And he's a tenacious yep. rebounder. Sure. His defense could be a little bit better, but I mean, like at the same time, offensively, this guy is a superstar, 25 points per game, 0.3, 11 rebounds, 9.5 assists. His player efficiency ratings again, 32 plus, Crazy. I mean, he beats his own record. Every, no one's even close, by the way. Davis was close before he got hurt. His player efficiency rating was about 32. Um, so that's why I had Davis in the MVP conversation, because we know the Lakers would have only had two wins without Davis to start the year. Uh, but Jokic, do you think voter fatigue will get to these voters? Do you think they'll give him a third straight MVP if the Nuggets are first in the Western Conference by the end of the year? He deserves, he deserves the third straight MVP, and everything he said about him is true. It's just, it's just amazing watching him. He's slow. He's not very athletic. He looks a little pudgy and flabby out there. He can't jump, and he dominates every game he plays. It's just amazing. The, 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 his understanding of the game of basketball, and he's two or three steps ahead of everybody out there on every play. Yeah, he should be a three-time MVP, but you know what? It's interesting you bring that up with the voters. Steve Nash should have been a three-time MVP mm. back in the day. He had two great years. His third year was even better than the two years he won the MVP, but he didn't win. And the reason was, you know, the only the only three guys to win three in a row, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Wilt. And a lot of the voters refused to vote for Nash that year because they said he's not on their level. And if we vote for him, we're saying he's as good as Wilt and Russell and Larry Bird, which is ridiculous. But these voters are petty. They're stubborn. Uh, they hold grudges. Uh, yeah, I don't think Yoko's will win this year because they don't want to give him three in a row, the same way with Steve Nash. Well, New Year's Day, we have the Celtics at Denver. And that, that was going to be my next question, Dave. Um, in terms of the MVP race, if Jokic is your favorite, is Tatum number two? Um, let's see, Jokic, Tatum, uh, the freak, uh, uh, Embiid's got to be up there the way he's playing yeah. lately as well. Um, and I would, I, I would think, boy, Zion's got to get a, uh, some consideration. He won't win if the Pelicans keep this up and they're a one or two seed. When you look at him, what, 27 points a game and shooting over 60% from the floor. Um, but I, I, I would vote for Jokic. I don't think he's going to win it. So I think it'll be, uh, probably Jason Tatum if, if the season ended today. You know, that's a good that's a good point. Um, and I, I made this point on one of Stat Muse's tweets where they said it's Jason Tatum MVP. And I just came at them with like in this tweet, thankfully it blew up. But I was like, Jason Tatum has a player efficiency rating of 25. Jokic has 32. 
player efficiency rating. It's, it's important. As good as and look, uh, advanced stats can't can't uh, account for everything. There's obviously the eye test. I've played the game at a high level. I understand how good Tatum is, but Jokic is the better player, and I get the best team in the Western Conference. Tatum is third on my list. I think you got to put Doncic too. Wow. Doncic 30, 34 points per game, nine assists, nine rebounds. We just just had a 60, 20, and 10, and the Mavericks would have one win without him. <laughs> I, I, I hate to bring up a painful memory, but uh, remember Magic took Lonzo Ball ahead of Tatum in the draft. Imagine if he was a Laker as Tough. he should have been all these years. Wow. <laughs> that, that's karma, though. I mean, bad management for, what, 10-plus yep. years? I mean, if it wasn't for yep. LeBron who won us a title, we would have a 20-plus year stretch of no titles. Well, Lakers are pretty good at yeah. scouting in the draft, so that was definitely a big oversight. Not not getting uh, well. That was Magic's insistence. I think they scouted it was Magic's Tatum. They wanted Tatum, yeah. but the scouting team wanted Tatum. Yeah. But I mean, also Lonzo Ball was a freaking beast in college, and I he was, just knew that his I, defense. I, I, I is, was saying at the, I was saying at the time on the air, you got to go Tatum. He's got to be yeah. the pick. Just, I, I don't know what people are seeing here. I, if he wants them both playing college, Tatum's yeah. the pick. Dave, if if we're <clears throat> gonna discuss the Lakers, we might as well get into them full force. Um, Fourteen and twenty now. I guess if you want to call it an impressive win against the Magic, consider that so. I can't say that just because impressive, <laughs> impressive the because they, they were, were they were the same record. Uh, they were the same record, and you. I think I expected them to lose, but regardless, fourteen and twenty. Where are we at in terms of roster moves by the deadline? What What would you like to see them do at the deadline? Yeah, I'd love to see some uh, improvement. I, I don't know realistically what you can do here. Um, if they could move Westbrook, who's playing better lately, um, you know what you could get for him, uh, for Westbrook. Uh, you want to give up one of those number ones in 27 or 29? Uh, to do that, I think you got to get a really good player in return and somebody that can help you win a championship this year. I'm not so sure uh, if they can dig out of this mess with these roster problems this year. Uh, we'll, and... I think I don't know if you guys will agree with me about this or not. I think people have been a little bit too hard on Rob Palenka over the last couple of years because he hasn't had final say. Uh, he was working under Magic, who was a horrible president of basketball operations. That's and then fair. That's uh, the fair. last couple of years, uh, the management has caved in and given LeBron and Clutch full authority on all personnel moves because they didn't want uh, LeBron to get angry or upset, So, which they should have never done. This is really the first year Palenka's had full authority to do his job, so... Let's see what happens at the deadline here in the offseason before we tear him apart. I want to see what he can do here now that he finally has the ability to do something. All right. It's a lot lot to take in. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think Lonnie was a great signing, but um, I know he's restricted because of LeBron's insistence on Westbrook Mm -hmm. and trading for him. And financially, they're restricted. But, I mean, he still made the Beverly trade. I don't know if that was LeBron-influenced. And at the time, it looked good. I agreed with it, but it's been a complete blunder. Um, but I'm not saying I, would have, I, I wouldn't have done that trade. If I was the GM, I'd probably be under scrutiny as well because I would have definitely made that trade with the season Beverly had last year. Uh, it just seems like the roster construction. I know it's difficult. I, I get your point. Like, I agree with Palinka keeping the picks because they're not going anywhere anyways. Might as well keep the picks, you know, keep Westbrook. He's actually flourishing off the bench and he'd be a great player if he was paid $10 million a year, not $47 million, right? Like yeah. five to 10 yeah. million. He'd be, oh yeah, great off the bench. And he looked great yesterday. But I do think there needs to be like Palinka. 
it's just like if you go around the league and talk to people, like other GMs do not trust him. That's the issue. They do not want to help the Lakers. They think Palinka is shady and lies and, you know, isn't a good GM. This is just a general consensus if you talk to people within the industry. That's a problem. What you want from a GM is somebody that is respected around. I know that doesn't mean like giving up everything you have, but like to me, there's a sense of elitism with the Lakers that's kind and pride that's holding them back. Like we're still the class of the NBA, living off of a of a bubble championship. And sure, that championship was great, but it's like. No, stop living in a fantasy. They need to blow up the team. They need to rebuild and they need to prioritize for their future because they certainly aren't winning a championship in the next couple of years unless well, they, ha- they have an amazing offseason this offseason. The, the other thing, he's shady. Go okay, ahead, go Dave. Ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to say, if he's shady and he lies a lot, to me, that's a plus for a general manager. <laughs> Pat, Pat, Riley, Pat Riley said one time, the single most important factor in being a good personnel manager in a GM is being a good liar. Because you're going to be a poker player. You're going to lie through your teeth and, uh, you know, don't let people know what you're doing. Mislead. Uh, uh, pretend you're not interested in guys. And, and, but you make a good point about being respected as well. Like, can you imagine Jerry West or Pat Riley agreeing with Lakers ownership when they told them, uh, we're going to let LeBron and Clutch take over personnel and you just sit back and do what they say. Right. That, that would have never happened. With those. And remember, in 86, the Lakers tried to trade uh, James Worthy and Byron Scott away for, for Mark Aguirre and, um, and Roy Tarpley to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Jerry Buss made a trade. It was going to be official. And Pat Riley and Jerry West walked into Jerry Buss's office and handed him their resignations and said, we quit if you make this trade. And Buss respected them so much, he backed off and said, okay, now we won't do it. I can't believe I'm also going to semi-defend Rob Palinka here, but what, okay, the Westbrook trade is an abomination, but again... He we, didn't want to make that trade. There you go. That's one defense of Palinka. And also, we see the contracts that guys like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard have been handed out. The Lakers have three guys that have huge contracts. The rest yep. of the roster, if you put any GM in that position, they're going to be strapped with what they can do with veteran minimum contracts. And the they had the mid-level exception, and he used it on Lonnie Walker, who was a good signing for, for $6 million. So I, I just look at it, and I, I think it's way more nuanced than just Palinka is bad, which he very, very well may be bad. But I, I don't know which GM could really succeed, given those three um, under the cap. What do you think about that, Dave? Final 30 seconds here. Oh, absolutely. But what could he do with this roster in the offseason and the salary cap restrictions? There's not much he can do. And again, uh, I will be joining everybody in ripping Rob Palenka and calling him an idiot uh, if nothing gets done this year and in the offseason. But at the trade deadline and in the offseason. But come on, he's had no authority to do anything the last couple of years. LeBron's been running the show and making all the personnel moves. He needs to look in in the mirror, LeBron, if he doesn't like this roster. Absolutely, Dave. You know, this is going to be a formidable offseason for the Lakers' future. It's really the most important one they've had in their career. But anyways, thank you so much. That's all the time we have today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Brandon Deutsch and the team saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark? Hard part about it. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.